Good afternoon, Tolvis. And welcome to Every Nation Rosebank. It's so good to uh, be with you guys this afternoon. And we're, we're starting on a brand new series. Uh, the, the, the 12 o'clock and the 5 o'clock services are partnering doing uh, a relationship series called our Intentional uh, Relationship Series. And the 8.30 and 10.15 uh, uh, group are doing a family series uh, called Ekaya. Um, so this is an a, a awesome time, and we're really, really excited about this. Uh, part of the reason why we wanted to call this series intentional was because when we were considering uh, uh, what, some of the key uh, things around relationship, intentionality is one of the things that kept coming up. Uh, intentional, uh, according to the di- dictionary, is, is, is being deliberate or things done on purpose that we have forethought um, and follow through uh, when it comes to relationships. Relationships don't just happen. You've experienced this uh, in your lives that, uh, uh, that, there, that there are very few relationships that are, that are fruitful, that are healthy, uh, and, and, and of a good quality that just kind of happen by themselves. Um, we had to work on these things and we had to become uh, very, very intentional. <clears throat> so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at relationships uh, uh, from, from three different perspectives. But one common denominator in every sphere of relationship is yourself. Um, in every relationship you are in, there you are. Uh, it's kind of a thing. You can't get away from it. Uh, and so it's important then for me to work on myself when it comes to relationship. One of, it's easy to go in, in relationships. Th- these are the factors that need to be considered. This is what other people ought to be doing. Uh, it's harder to go, what are the things that I need to be inputting in my life to ensure that I am uh, uh, gaining the best fruit out of the relationships uh, that, um, that I'm in? Uh, so, so today we're going to specifically look at uh, the friendship aspect, our friendship relationships. Uh, next week we, we're, we're going to uh, look at uh, uh, relationships within the intentional pursuit, courtship, dating space um, and how we can do that well and what, what the Bible has to say about that. Um, and then we're also going to be looking at the following, uh, following week relationships within uh, the, the, the marriage uh, or high commitment uh, context and how we can also glorify God in those spaces and what the Bible has to say about that. But all of those have the one thing in common that you are, you know, that I'm, it's me. I'm I'm in all of these things. And so I need to figure out how to be the best me in friendship spaces, how to be the best me in in courtship, pursuit, dating space, how to be the best me within the marriage context. So, are you guys excited? Let me ask you a question. Uh, We're going to get into some scripture. We've got a lot of scripture um, to get through. Surprise, surprise. Um, If uh, if this is your first time in the 12 o'clock service, uh, we love scripture. We're not shy of of, uh, of, uh, tackling scripture, and we read a lot of scripture together. Um, And so this week is going to be no different. Uh, But um, I wanted to ask you a question. So what what I want you to do, actually, is to pull out if you've got a pen and a pad or, or if you take notes on your... On your, on your phone uh, to make use of that. Uh, the, the question, the, before I ask you the question, I want you to do a very quick exercise just in 30 seconds to list as many friends, as many of your friends as you can think of. 
that you would just uh, uh, write those down or type, type their names. So don't worry about whether they're awesome friends, great friends, distant, just if they come up as a friend, just put, put their name down. If you're an overachiever and you're like hitting 10 friends already, you, you, you can, you've passed. You can. <laughs> now, what I want you to do is to look at that list of friends. And next to each friend, I want you to put a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. How, no, no, no. Just how, um, just rate the quality of, friend, of friendship that you have with this person. So, so one, one being... This is a sucky friendship. This, I, ju- I just, just put this person here because they came up. I don't know why they are in my list. Ten being, this is, my, this is, this is like my, my, my best friend that I call when I'm in trouble and we, you know, uh, we have fun together and we're sitting in the jail cell looking at each other talking about how we had too much fun together. Right, are you almost done? What I want you to do now is uh, I want you to, with two or three people around you, I want you to compare notes a little bit. And (laughs) if the friend happens to be sitting next to you, you don't have to mention the name. Uh, But I want you to have a very quick discussion with two or three people around you about why. Why did So maybe just pick two friends, one on the low end of the scale and one on the high end of the scale. Why did you rate them the way you did? So it's two things. Why did you rate them the way you did? And what can you do to improve the rating? That's the conversation I want you to do. This is my friend. This is why I rated them this way. This is what I can do to improve the rating. Provide backing music as you guys are chatting. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sorry, sorry.
If you haven't shared yet, please take a turn. Okay, hopefully you're starting to wrap up. So, I, I have, a, I have a, a, a mic here. I would love to hear some reflection. Would anybody love to reflect on some of the conversation that you guys were, were having? I would love to, for you guys to just enrich this process for us. <laughs> There's a reflection over there. Um, good afternoon, church. So, I just had a discussion with George. My name is Tebe. And what we find is that what, what seems to be the case with the relationships that we have or friendships that we have that are on the weak side, most of it is about communication. It's just we seem to battle to have good, strong, regular communication. And I think our sense is that if we could work on that communication, it would really improve some of those relationships to the higher end of the scale. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Tara. Would anybody else um, like to reflect? There's a, there's a hand this side here. Afternoon, church. Afternoon. <laughs> I feel so pressured to stand. Yeah. Okay. I'll just reflect on both the high-ranking friends between me and Chipiwa. So what was common is there's an element of brotherhood. So that person that is like, you don't have to talk to every day, but when you travel, you know, when you go stuff, they're there, they won't judge, they won't ask you anything, but they will be there and they'll try and look out for the, your best interest and not necessarily what you've done. Yeah. Great. So I want to see if we, we have one, one up here and then if, uh, I don't know if we have one more, but then we'll transition. Um, I think for me, I rated my friendships based also on how I relate to them not just how they relate to me. So do I trust this person? Um, how am I re um, interacting with them? Um, do I feel comfortable with talking to them about everything? So it wasn't just about how they interact with me. It was about how do I perceive them? How do I see them as a friend? More than just, okay, this, is, this person's like this with Masi. This person's, Masi, how are you with this person? How do you relate to them? That's Brilliant. how I rated mine. That's so awesome. Before we transition, just want to check if anybody else would like to contribute. Um, uh, Tiam, we're going to test your sprinting skills right at the back. <laughs> You're not doing very well. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon. I've got 10 friends, and I've rated them 
to me, like the lady said, I value, I appreciate, I honor, and I just love hanging out with my friends. Friends that I have, they pray for me, they are there for me, just like the other lady was saying. So it's not about what they give to me, it's what I can give to them. Come on. And that is what friendship all about. Laying your life down when they are not there for you, doesn't matter, but being there at all times when they need me. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Let's give everybody a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you for adding value to this process. Can we, uh, can we go to the very last slide? The very last slide. I'm not sure if we're going to get time to get to this, so I just want to cover it quickly. Uh, so I came across this from a lady called Shasta Nelson, who's uh, kind of a, uh, uh, I guess, a friendship expert. So she speaks on friendships and developing um, uh, intimacy within friendships. Uh, and she has this quadrant or the, this, this triangle um, uh, that uh, uh, she talks about if, if uh, all of these three things are working in unison that you can achieve high-quality friendships. Uh, and that the way to increase the quality of your friendships is by increasing each quotient um, of, of the triangle uh, so that we, we're increasing consistency, positivity, um, and vulnerability. So how, how do we uh, uh, become better friends? How do we increase the quality of, of our friendships? This is a good tool to, uh, to look into. So if you think of how it works, right? So if you are or you know somebody who's exceptionally positive and they always have amazing things to say, uh, maybe they're even vulnerable with you and you're always, you know, when we meet together, we go deeper. We only see one another once a year. That's not a quality friendship. Um, it's an awesome once-off moments. Um, and if we see, if we have people that are consistent in our lives, and, and, and some of these maybe fall into the colleague space, they, 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 they're consistent, but they're not very positive. Um, you know, we, <laughs> that's not the hallmarks of a, great, uh, of a great friendship that is developing. Or somebody who's just vulnerable the whole time, but not positive, may weigh you down. Um, and so and we, we start to try and avoid um, the, the, those people, you know. How many of you, when you... There's some people uh, that when you see coming, you start talking on your phone and hoping that a call doesn't come in. Uh, <laughs> don't raise your hands. Uh, I've, I've done that before. So. Sorry. Uh, but but if, we, if, we, if we're consistent um, and finding places... So let me give you a real easy clue. Uh, uh, places where you'll find consistency are places where you have regular overlap. Church, for example, is a place of consistency. So if I want to develop good, solid friendships, uh, I, I want to find people that I'm consistently interacting and overlapping with um, in the church context, in connect group. Connect group is another one that's, um, that, that's very consistent. Places of vulnerability as we develop and grow with one another within the connect group space or we meet for coffee and we kind of make a regular thing of it. It cultivates the environment for vulnerability. Before we know it, we're moving up to the very pinnacle of that triangle to where we've got a very intimate and quality relationship. Great, we can go back to the uh, first scripture slide. We're going to look at the book of Ruth. And, uh, and, we're, and we're just going to journey together very quickly um, through chapter 1 of, uh, of Ruth, so it's 22 verses. Very, very doable, by the way. Ruth is an amazing book, very short in the Old Testament. Please take time uh, this afternoon to read through it. I promise you, you can, actually, you can do it in one sitting. 
Um, it's a, uh, we're going to do a whole chapter in, in, in 15 minutes or so. Uh, so so you, can do, you can do the book uh, in, in, in one sitting, and it, it will really color in some of the things that we won't be able to get into uh, today. So um, you, you can follow with me on here. You can follow in your Bibles. I always prefer that we have our Bibles with us, um, that we bring our Bibles to church. It just helps us to be a bit more intentional. If I know where my Bible is on Sunday, then I'm likely to know where it is on Wednesday. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so bring your Bibles to church. We'll, we'll put slides up for you to help you. Uh, but my, my strong preference is, is that we engage uh, with our own Bibles. It also helps me, by the way, as I'm engaging with my Bible to know where stuff is and to easily find it. Um, so whereas if I'm engaging with uh, slides or, or, or my phone, sometimes I struggle, but that's just me. Great. So what I, what I want to do as we're, as we're journeying through this book, here's, my, here's the plan. I'll just give you the game plan. We're going we're gonna to work through uh, these scriptures slide by slide. And I want to look at the different characters, the different people that feature um, in the story of Ruth. And I want us to look at what those people represent about friendship. So each person represents something specific about friendship, whether it's how we apply it to ourselves or friendships that we've experienced. Remember that the whole theme that we're running through this entire series is me. So even if you see something that is highlighted to you, I want to process it through the lens of how can I do better in this area or how can I relate this back to me. Is that okay? All right, so verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Judah was not the name of the person, it was the name of the area. Uh, it was from Bethlehem, and he went to dwell in the country of Moab. Now, if you were to just look at this statement by itself, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, what stands out to you as being particularly wrong about that? Say again. A certain man? Why, why, did, he, why did he leave Bethlehem? These are, good, these are good questions. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Moab. So a man of Bethlehem, a man of Israel, leaves Israel and goes and dwells in the land of Moab. That should cause red flags to go off in our minds. Because if you know your Bible, you know that the instruction that the Israelites were given was not to mix with foreign, with foreign lands. Um, they were given a, and allotted a, a specific portion of land, a large portion of land, which was the promised land. And they were to dwell there, and they were to uh, uh, worship God, and they were to be an example to the nations, not to go and to mix with the other nations. They were told that specifically. So if you remember that as you're reading your word, that should already cause question marks to go off into, in, in your mind. Why is this guy going off uh, into this foreign land. The country of Moab, where the Moabites live, who serve a different king and who worship a different god. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And we know that the reason he did it, because it tells us there was a famine in the land. And so there was a famine in the land, and so he made a logical decision to take his family and go elsewhere. However, 
many of us have found ourselves in certain scenarios where we have been able to justify compromise. Much like Elimelech, where on the surface level, it is a justifiable thing to do to seek how to provide for your family. However, when we go deeper, we recognize that in essence, Elimelech was walking in disobedience. Uh, he, he, his motives were okay, uh, but what he did was an affront and, a, and, and an insult to God. In fact, the irony of it is that his name, Elimelech, means my God is king. It is ironic that the man who carries the identity lives out the fact that my God is king, cannot bring himself to trust this king God enough to remain in a place of obedience and leaves to go somewhere else. Further irony is that Bethlehem means house of bread. Now let's put this together. He's leaving, Beth, he's leaving the house of bread, the house of provision, to go in disobedience into a foreign land. Desperation will make us do silly things. And will make us do things that when somebody else stands back and has a look at them, or when we have a chance to look at what we've been up to, we're going, well, yes, it actually didn't make too much sense. I should have really stayed in that place of grace, in that place of faith. Yes, things got a bit more difficult. Yes, things were a bit more challenging. But really, I should have trusted the Lord. All the signs were there. He told me I was in the house of bread. He told me that he is, he is king. My God is king. At a time when they were ruled by the judges. So at a time when prophetically, Elimelech, by the way, at a time when, when they were ruled by the judges, so Israel didn't have a king. God was their king. His name was the declaration of their current state. God is our king. Everybody else has a man king. We have a God king. And yet I'm willing to leave the God king to go to the next land because of comparison. I figure the grass, the grass will be greener on that side of the fence. The name of his wife was Naomi. Naomi's name means pleasant. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the woman of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, uh, which means stiff-necked. And the name of the other was Ruth, which means uh, a compassionate friend. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Marlon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Ruth, uh, sorry, not Ruth, uh, uh, Naomi, who followed her husband into this foreign land. Both of them knew the rules. Uh, understandably, at the time, she wouldn't have, have had much of a voice in the decision. And so she was following uh, by association and found herself in this place um, of difficulty outside of grace where she lost a lot. Perhaps you can identify with this because maybe you have uh, some friendships or associations that have cost you a lot where it wasn't your fault. Uh, where because of the closeness of relationship, you bore somebody else's burden. This is what Naomi was feeling. She bore somebody else's burden, uh, found herself in a foreign land, and paid the price. And, uh, and many of us have had that experience of friends who have taken stupid decisions, uh, 
and we have had to come alongside and to bear that burden or to help bear that burden. Uh, and, and so we can identify with what uh, Naomi must have been going through. Interesting that uh, the scripture tells us that they dwelt there about 10 years. Now, when you're going to escape a famine and you're going into a foreign land, you're, you're, not, you're not planning to stay there about 10 years. You're going until the famine ends and you're planning to go home. So it is, it, it's, it's my conviction that they were not intending to dwell in that land about 10 years and to suffer the losses that they did. But Ravi Zacharias puts it this way. He says, sin will always take you further than you want to go, will keep you longer than, what you, want, than you want to stay, will cost you more than what you want to pay. When you f- decide to fall outside of grace, whether for good intentions or not, it doesn't matter. Intentions don't come into the equation. When you decide to fall outside of grace or directly walk into place of sin, and by the way, Scripture tells us that what we do outside of faith is sin anyway, so when we step into areas of sin, we end up staying in that area. We end up going further with that sin than what we wanted to. We end up staying in that sin longer than we intended to. We end up paying for that sin more than we intended to pay for. She didn't intend to pay for walking outside of that grace with two sons. She didn't intend to stay 10 years. She didn't intend to travel the distance that they had to travel, and I don't have time to get into that. Can we, we can go into that next slide. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. And now I want to take a moment, just a quick moment, and I want to speak to the Naomi's in the house this afternoon. Because perhaps you have gone a long distance. You have paid a great price. You have felt the, that the wrath of God is upon you, that whether you turn left or you turn right, you're suffering losses. Um, and you hear uh, that God is providing for others, uh, but he's not providing for you. That God is protecting others, and he's not protecting you. And I want to say this to you, Naomi, that God is in the business of redeeming. He is redeeming you, he's redeeming your situation, and he's returning you to your place of grace. He is doing for you what he did for this Naomi. He returned her into a place of grace, and he restored the integrity. He restored the provisions. He restored her standing in society. Even though she had willfully walked away, he restored her. And if you are at a place where you feel like God has forgotten about you, God has not forgotten about you. God is directing you. God is leading you back to a place of grace. Amen. Therefore she sent out, I'm on verse 7, therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So they started traveling and they've heard that good things are happening in the land of Judah. So they pack their things, whatever they can carry, and they start returning to this land. And while they're traveling, uh, I can just see it in my mind 
that, that it's this solemn moment and, and there's silence and maybe Naomi's even walking ahead and she, she's trying to figure out how am I going to come back into my community? I, I've got nothing left and I've got these two uh, uh, daughters that, I, that I've got to take care of. What, what am I going to do? And, and I can just see her uh, with, with, with all the burdens on her and I can just see her stopping and, and, and the other and these two ladies stopping behind her wondering what's going on and, and in my mind I can just see her turning back to them after having pro and figuring out exactly how she's going to say what she knows she needs to say. And she says this to, to, to them in verse 8. She says, Naomi said to her two daughters, go, return to each, return each of you to her mother's house. We've been journeying together. We've left Moab. We're, we're, we're nearing the land of Judah. And she turns and she says, no, actually, I want you to go back to your mother's house. She says, the, she says, the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Saying, you guys are young enough. Go back, live your life. How many of us have walked the path that Naomi walked where we have, uh, where because of the burdens that we have carried, we turn around and we look at the friends that God has put around us. We look at those people that are journeying with us and we go, do you know what? I don't expect you to carry this burden. I don't expect you to walk the path that I'm walking. Now, Naomi, by the way, had walked this path before. She's retracing the steps that she had walked when they left uh, Judah, and she went out and she had you know, servants and, 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 and her husband and her two, do- uh, two children and, and, and their belongings, and, they, and they, they traversed this great land, and so she knows the hardships. She knows the ins and the outs, and she's, and she, and she's been tracking with them, and she knows the valleys, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they've gone down the nooks and the crannies, and, they, and, and, and she knows the dangerous places, and, and, and so she's tracking back, and she's remembering what it felt like to carry, to follow somebody else's vision, and to carry somebody else's burden, and to walk the consequences with them. And she's going, I cannot expect this of these two girls. So she turns around and she says, I, I don't want you to walk this path with me. I am willing to walk this path. It is my load to bear. It is not yours. We've had those conversations, have we not? Where we're going, look, I don't know what is going on with me. I don't know where God is taking me. It is a difficult path to walk. Please turn and go back home. Not, in a, not out of bitterness. I bless you. Please, I don't, I don't want you to bear this burden with me because I don't know where this road is leading me. That's what Naomi is saying. She, she, she's putting a distance between her and these two ladies. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept together. Then they said, surely we will return with you to your people. They made that declaration, both of them, uh, Opa and, and Ruth, they made this declaration, surely we will return with you to your people. If we know, if, and you've read, you've read ahead a little bit, or you've, you've read Ruth, you know that only one of these ladies ends up going with her. Both of them make the declaration. We've had the experience, we've had those friends, maybe we've been those friends who have declared allegiance, buy-in, commitment, loyalty, until it got tough. And then you look around and you're going, geez, there's a bit of a distance now. We started over here. Now I'm leaving you behind. Now you're walking a little bit slower. Not quite as excited as you were when we first began. To the point where people are now in the horizon and you're having to walk that path by yourself. 
Orpah, by the way, was not wrong to walk away and go back home. She had no legal obligation to stay with Naomi. As long as her husband remained alive, she was bound legally. But since he was dead, she had no legal binding except the agreement between them if perhaps Naomi had a younger son whom she would wait around for him to grow up until he was of an age to marry. And so she turned back home. She was not rejecting Naomi. Not everybody who turns around and leaves you is rejecting you. Stop falling apart because people are walking away. Some people will only walk some of the path with you. That's okay. You have some people that God has put into your life that are going to go all the way for, with you and for you. Some people will carry you some of the way, and you have to recognize the necessary endings. You have to recognize that this far and no further, and that's okay. And we bless one another, and we go our separate ways. God was restoring Naomi. Naomi couldn't afford to dwell in that place of, oh man, look, she's turned around, woe is me, what am I going to do? Because God, in the same way that God is restoring you, God was saying to Naomi, Naomi, I need you back in Bethlehem, because in Bethlehem, I have put a Ruth in your life, by the way, who's traveling with you. In Bethlehem, I have arranged provision for you. In fact, in Bethlehem, I'm going to raise you back up to that level of social status that you had. In Bethlehem, I'm going to set you up that you are going to rear and raise the child who will be the father of, of Obed, who will be the father of Jesse, who will be the father of David, who will be the king from which I will bring the Messiah. I don't have time for you to stay and linger and look at who's leaving and who's staying. I need you back in the place of grace. God is speaking this word over you this afternoon. I don't have time for you to linger. Stop lingering. Don't worry about who's going with you and who's, who's not going with you. If God has called you back into your place of grace, keep on going. Surely we will return with you to your people. Let's look at the, ne the next slide. Naomi says, she says this to her, says, turn back my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, why would you wait till they were grown? Would you rest restrain yourselves from having a husband? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Lifted up their voices and they wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and, and she left. So they declared, they'd made this declaration. We're, we're staying with you. We're with you. We've declared allegiance. She, she puts this case for them. This is why it's not good for you guys to stay. Orpah goes, yeah, actually, you make a good point. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but now that it's out there... Um, <laughs> So long, good trip, you know, I'll write you. Um, and she leaves. What, look, look at, look at what, what, um, what Naomi does. She leaves in verse 15, says, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. I found this so interesting that this is exactly what we do, right? We, we um, in friendship, 
we anticipate people to, um, to hurt us. We anticipate that people will leave us. We anticipate that people won't receive who we are. So what do we do? We create space. And we start to reject them before they can reject us. And, 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 and even those people who pursue us, even those people who come into our world, and we continue to put a little bit of distance until they get the message. And when they get the message, they start to respond according to the message that we were giving them. And then when they start to respond according to that message, we go, see? Look, I told you. She was on her way out anyway. See? I told you he would never accept me. I told See? We do that, right? And we feel justified when people act in that way, but we have created the environment. He says, you go also, Ruth. I'm, I'm expecting you to leave me also. And if we're responding according to insecurity in friendship, we're always going to be putting distance between ourselves and people. We're always going to be protecting ourselves, always going to be creating that place that in anticipation for people leaving me, I'm going, to, I'm going to start isolating myself and making it okay for me to be alone so that when you leave, I'm not broken. We do that in all relationships, by the way. Friendships, dating, married, whatever, we do that. We can go to that next one. Here's what Ruth says. Ruth, by the way, as far as I'm concerned, is the original ride or die. Like, she's the original ride or die. I hear you, but entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more so, if anything but death parts you and me. I don't care about your insecurities. I don't care about, about your tendencies to push me away. I see your efforts to try and put distance. I know you think you're, you're speaking on my behalf. I know you think you're protecting me and you, but guess what? God has put us together. I'm in your life. I'm your friend. I've come, come committed to you, to you. Where you're going, I'm going. I'm bought into your values, the vision that God has placed in your life, the things that you want to achieve. I am there with you. You cannot get rid of me. Ride or die, we all need Ruth in our life. We all need to be Ruth in somebody's life. We can go to that next one. So when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. <laughs> so, all right, fine, let's go, fine. Um, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they'd come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. So she said, do not call me pleasant. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. I wish I had time to unpack verse 22. I wish. But, but I will, we'll unpack the other verses instead. Do not call me, do not call me Naomi. Call, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. Now, if you're reading, uh, this, is what, this, this is me in my mind. I'm reading. Call me Mara, Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full. Wait, 
then why did you go? You were sorted. You were fine. You were full. Why did you go? Well, there was a famine in the land. But you were full. But there was a famine in the land. So you went out. You left your place of fullness because of fear. You anticipated. And so you left a place of provision, faith, grace, uh, appointment. And you left that place into a place of self Uh, nourishment and uh, self-fulfillment because of fear. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Naomi, let me talk to you. You say the Lord has brought you again home again empty. You're missing it. Naomi, the Lord has brought you home again. Naomi didn't catch it. I think maybe Naomi's over here. (laughs) Let me test it. Naomi, you're saying God has brought you home again empty. You're missing it, Naomi. God has brought you home again. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Naomi. (laughs) Naomi. Stop saying God has brought you home again empty and catch the vision that God has brought you home again. Come on, Naomi. God, it's all about perspective. You're missing the fact that God has restored you. You're missing the the fact that God is answering your prayers. You're missing the fact that God has heard you and you're going, but God has called me home empty-handed. By the way, Naomi, you're not empty-handed. God has given you Ruth in the wilderness. And through Ruth, he has provided for you a place in society. Through Ruth, he has provided for you legacy to be named amongst the legacy of Jesus Christ, who is the anointed Savior. God never forgot you, Naomi. God watched you go, and God looked forward to the time when you would return so that he could restore you. And even in your place of wilderness, God was good enough to put Ruth into your life. God has not afflicted you. Naomi, you say that the Almighty has afflicted you. God has not afflicted you. What you're suffering is the consequences of your actions. Guys, actions have consequences. That's not God afflicting you. That's not God hating you. That's not God judging you. It's universal law. Actions have consequences. Stay within the family and the household and the presence of God. That has particular blessings and consequences that go with it. Leave the presence of God, the house of God, the grace of God, your place and calling. And there are consequences that come with that. You will lose stuff. You will... You'll, 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 you'll be in pain and you'll, you'll, suffer, you'll suffer tragic and painful consequences because it's rough outside of the presence of God. God wants you to return into his presence, but he doesn't protect you from your own self. He doesn't protect you from your actions, but he's willing to walk them out with you. Don't ever say that God has forgotten you or that God hates you or that God has judged you. But if you do have those friends 
who through their actions are pulling you out of your place of grace, your place of faith, who are drawing on your, on your relationship with Jesus so that even that is affected, then you need to take action and you need to decide whether you're going to follow them out of Bethlehem, out of the house of provision and out of the house of bread into Moab, or whether you're going to say, bye, see ya. I hear your logic. I know you want to go. I know there's famine. But if you're leaving where God has placed us, then you're leaving without me. We have to be able to draw those boundaries in our friendships. We can't always be talking about our intentions. I had amazing intentions. We we're going to go to the club together and we we're going to, we we're going to uh, evangelize. I, I, was, I was just waiting for an opportunity for when the music is a little bit down and I was going to tell my friend about Jesus. That was my whole intention. I don't know why I woke up dehydrated with a headache. I don't know. I can't stand the smell of anything. I don't know why I've got a runny stomach. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. We have to get over that. We have to get, get, get over the excuse of, I, he sent me some scriptures. And he was willing to come with me to church. And so we gave it a go. I don't know how we fell pregnant. I don't know how that happened. No, you know exactly how that happened. You left Bethlehem. You went to Moab. You did the things that the Moabites do. The Israelites also do those things, but they do them under covenant. <laughs> don't hide behind excuses. Actions, own them, return. It's never too late for you to return to that place of grace. God wants to restore you. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask Natasha to, to help me pray here. We're going to pray. Um, we're going to pray for you if you feel like you need to return to your place of grace. Um, we're going to pray for you for your relationships. Um, we're going to pray for you for your friendships, if there are uh, some friendships that you really need to reconsider. Or you, yourself, how to be a better friend. Um, are, are, you, are you Orpah or are you Ruth? Or are you Naomi? Or are you Elimelech who leads people out? Who, who, who are you? Um, and, and, and do you need to repent? We're going to allow the Lord to minister into that moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, I think we're all at a space that we want to be accepted. And sometimes we're looking at the wrong place. And we're leaving the place where you wanted us to be. Because we're looking for something better. And Lord, today we just want to repent and say, Lord, we made a mistake. We made the wrong choice. And I pray, Father, that you will help us, that we will return to you. That we will return to you, Father. Lord, I pray that we will carefully choose our friends. We will listen to our friends. 
on those who hear you and want to help us, that we will listen to them as well. Let we choose our friends that honors you, that loves you, that help us to get closer to you. Because those are the friends that are good friends. Father, we know the story of Ruth. She was determined. Father, let we be determined to walk your journey. But with our determinedness that we will follow your journey and take people with us. Be Jesus to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, it was a good sermon. It was really a good sermon. Thank you, Pastor Lareko. So as we close, if you feel like you need prayer, if you feel like you're in a place where you, where you are in a relationship that you not should, that you not should be, I want to invite you to come to, to the front. We're going to have our ministry team here in front, and they're going to pray with you, and we're going to trust God to intervene in these relationships. If you're in a relationship that you don't know, you, you need to turn to the left or to the right. Let's trust God together to give you which one it needs to be.